Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. But, you know, I'm going to do that next time I'm in a relationship. When I'm having sex with a dude and we're listening to Luther, I'm going to whisper in his ear, you know he was singing to a dude. <laughs> See how he reacts. And based on that Yo, reaction, then we'll know how we can move forward. If Hey, if he gets soft, he's not the guy for you and you got to <laughs> let him go. You got to, he, he's got to stay hard through that information, you know? <laughs> or maybe that might entice him. <laughs> and then he gets harder. And then you're like, hell yeah, this dude's woke. Let's get going. <laughs> the government growing babies. Microchips in your anus. All koala bears are racist. The ozone layer owes me money. Martians invented turkey stuff. Yep, 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 there it is, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another phenomenal episode of My Mama Told Me, the podcast where we dive deep, deep into the pockets of Black conspiracy theories, and we finally work to prove that each one of those bumps on Morgan Freeman's face represents another horcrux that allows him to live forever. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, he has split his soul amongst all of them little dots. I've counted them. He's about 378 split souls at this point. And I don't know what his plan is. Why he would hide his horcruxes right in the center of his face is beyond me, but that's what the man is doing. And I'm I, I'm not even sure we can call him a man anymore. That goddamn old ass wizard, Morgan Freeman, is out here you're just splitting in, in little ass pieces and, and covering himself with with them. I'm your host, Langston Kerman, coming in misbehaving as always, hot as as I like to call it. I'm I'm happy to be here. It's it's an exciting episode. This is a groundbreaking episode, which I'm not even sure my guest is aware of, but it's a groundbreaking episode because it's the first episode, the first ever episode where we are expanding the My Mama Told Me multiverse. We are moving out of just 
just black shit and moving into communities that, that also have conspiracy theories that also know the dangers of whitey and the white devil. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're moving into the My Mama Told Me multiverse and my guest today is the perfect introduction to that multiverse because she's so goddamn funny. She's hilarious. You've seen her on so many things. She was on They Ready on Netflix. But more importantly, she has a brand new special that is out, available to you now. Technically, it's not out as we're talking, but it's out, motherfuckers, by the time you're listening. And you bitches better go listening to it. You you better watch it. Fuck listening to it. You watch it. You lock your eyes on it because it's amazing. She's so funny. It's called Fighting Words, and it's on HBO Max, and you need to go watch it. And she's great. Please give it up for my guest, Miss Ida Rodriguez. Thank you. I've been laughing. <laughs> First of all, I was like, when I heard the theme song, I started yeah. like grooving. And then I would listen to the words. Yep. And I was like, is this Thundercat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can't afford Thundercat. But we did get my comedian friend Nick Chambers to to put some lyrics and music down. So I'm honored. I'm honored uh, that you danced to our, our dumb shit. I, I just want to say one thing. In in the Latinx, Latin A, Latino community, we got black shit too. Cause a lot That's of right. us are black. That's right. That's fair. Okay. I I I, I do not mean to dismiss the blacks of <laughs> of all communities. I know there are blacks everywhere. And I, I only mean to say that we are expanding our universe and 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 opening up to conversations beyond just black shit if if we so choose. Got it. Nice though. Nice. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know we got conspiracy theories. We also are the descendants of slaves. So there's yeah. a lot of folklore. It's it's almost as if uh white people did the same trick to all of us and it just worked it it just worked differently. Not better, not worse, just no. differently <laughs> on everybody's shit. They did it in different dialects and languages. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got a sexier dialect, I think, out of the whole thing. We got shitty ass English and uh, I I don't know. Yeah. I would have rather yeah, Spanish sounds cooler for slavery, I think. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This might, you know what? Let's get canceled together. Let's do this shit. Hell, yeah. <laughs> that's that's my goal. I don't know what you came here for. If it's mm-hmm. not for cancellation, what game are we playing? Yeah, I know. That's right. All right. Let's dive in because you came with a conspiracy theory that I had heard for years growing up. I never knew enough to even verify or or deny the, the validity of this conspiracy theory, but I feel like it's a classic, a very classic conspiracy theory in pop culture and the black community and all sorts of communities, I imagine. But you said, my mama told me. Luther Vandross was secretly gay. Man, I heard that so much. The, the, I guess what makes it such a mystery is that you never saw Luther with a partner. Right. None. Yeah. And, and, you know, I have a theory on a theory when it comes to this. Because if Luther was in fact gay and his music that was about love resonated with so many heterosexual people. Yep. Then it would prove 
what we hear from the LGBTQ community all the time is that love is love. Yeah. Okay. I like this. No, I'm okay, saying. so what you're suggesting is is that Luther being a person living in, in the closet, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. is not at all a barrier from our ability to accept the love that he's offering to the world. That when he sings these songs, yeah. even though he may potentially be singing about a man, it still resonates so well with me or any other heterosexual mm-hmm. person that maybe this gender fluidity isn't this foreign dangerous theory, but really is just the way that we've always been. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying. I just, I was like, my ex, he dedicated Superstar to me. (laughs) That was his song for me. But he he was also a little bit homophobic. Yeah. And I would be like, yo, you feel about your boo the same way Luther feels about his boo. Yeah. Okay. So, so was he, were you calling it out? Were you like, yo, hey, by the way, that song you dedicated to me, you know, that's the, mm-hmm. that's a gay man that's singing about another man when, when he, when he's singing it. Well, yeah, I was like, allegedly, right? <laughs> so what does that mean? <laughs> and his, did he, was he like, nah, get the fuck out? What was his response to this then? He would say, Luther is not gay. He mm. just keeps his business to himself. I was like, Whoa. yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Because that, that introduces, I think, a pretty complicated layer to right. all of this, right? That mm-hmm. that in a lot of ways, Luther's sexuality was a very open secret mm-hmm. in popular culture, right? We all, we is, is a royal we, we all sort of knew that Luther was gay, but nobody really wanted to talk about it. Do you think that's that's a reflection of homophobia, or is that merely wanting the the story to still be able to exist for whoever we so choose to dedicate our music to? You know, he wants mm. to be able to keep it so that when he dedicates this song to you, it's not quote unquote tainted by someone else's experience. Well, I mean, everybody's okay when the people are allegedly straight, right? Right. So why does it matter? Even if yeah. he was openly gay, why would it matter? Right. That in theory, Luther comes out, he says, this song is dedicated, this song I wrote is about a man. It shouldn't change the the lyrics. It shouldn't change the feeling that comes from this thing. It should just be a different intent yeah. than, than we've placed on it. I just stopped listening to Frank Ocean. Yeah. I never stopped. Right. And, and, you know, when he was singing, I've been thinking about you. Yeah. You know, he he could have been thinking about some penis. Yeah. (laughs) Just like me. (laughs) And honestly, that probably makes it connect better for you. Absolutely. (laughs) Y'all both sing about dick. (laughs) Yeah. That's how it Yeah. Wow. Okay, so at what point, let's let's trace some of the history here for you. Mm-hmm. At what point do you think you became aware that Luther Vandross may have allegedly been singing about men rather than his predominantly female audience? You know, I would think that it was when I got older because mm-hmm. the elders in my family used to listen to Luther and I was yeah. a kid, so I don't know. 
I, I thought it was just a man singing. But when I got older and they started sending me the song saying, I'm dedicating this, this to you. Yeah. So I, I think that that's when I, uh, I was like, hey, man, I've never seen this man with a woman or anybody. I'm always seeing him by himself. And I'm like, who is he singing to? And then when you watched him, you know, Luther used to wear the best eyeliner. Because <laughs> he used to wear it in the, the, in the water line, is what we call yeah. it. And he, his eyeliner never ran. And I'm right. always, as a Puerto Rican girl, we, we wear eyeliner, you know, sixth grade. We start sneaking the eyeliner to go to middle school. <laughs> and, sure. <laughs> and I would always try to find the perfect eyeliner I could put on my water line that wouldn't, wouldn't smear. You wanted that Luther line. I wanted that Luther line. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was a little bit older, like maybe when I became like a teenager, you know, 17, 18. And to his credit, in terms of the the makeup of it all, he was a very sweaty man, like yeah. objectively a a very sweaty person. And for him not to have runny eyeliner or runny makeup is that's that's impressive. impressive. Absolutely impressive. And, you know, not only if you say he's sweaty, his costumes. Remember the sequence tops, the shirts. And yeah, that's really hot. It's, it's super hot. So the lights. You know, and sure. And then Luther was an actual, actually a real singer. So it wasn't, there was no auto tune, no assistance. He wasn't singing the tracks. So that's a lot of cardio, you know, like that's a lot of work. (laughs) Verbal cardio. His diaphragm is being compressed quite a bit (laughs) to get some of them notes that he's sitting out. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, he was putting in the work. He was sweating and the eyeliner never ran. Never ran. Him and Prince never and so as you're growing up, because I, I do think that this is this is an important element to this whole like tracking of someone's sexuality in relation to popular music, popular mm-hmm. culture. Are you looking at Luther and going, this is a person that I, I guess, is a sexual being? Is, is Luther sexy to you as a kid? Or is he just Luther? Like, where does he live in, in that whole spectrum? Oh, man, he was a captain of romantic, like the captain of love music. Like, it was yep. just, you know, the quintessential love, love song. Like, Superstar is probably one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. He was a song with Gregory Hines that was, there's nothing better. I mean, some of the most amazing music that I would say love, just love music. But we did have sex to it. So Mm -hmm. it was, I mean, it was sexy music. It was sexual music. Uh, Yeah, it's, I I guess I asked that question because I'm, I'm interested in sort of the ways that sexuality or a person's sexuality, rather, doesn't necessarily matter in terms of our enjoyment of, like, the art that they create. That in a lot of ways, if you look at these people as poets, right, like, Mm -hmm. I didn't need to want to fuck Walt Whitman to be able to enjoy the sexuality that came out of Walt Whitman's poetry. Like, Mm -hmm. it still has all of the elements that you need Mm -hmm. to feel like a sexy sensual person. And I think the same might be true for a Luther Vandross. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, there are artists who they exude a sexuality that you do want to press into. I think Luther is one of those that like, 
you don't you don't want to fuck Luther, but you kind of enjoy the the sex he's able to create with with his music. Absolutely, it's a beautiful soundtrack, and you know that's the thing that um, people who belong to the LGBTQIA plus community. Hell yeah, hit all them notes. Uh, Let's nah, go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, the reason that they they probably feel like we objectify them. We absorb whatever they can give us so long as they remain silent about who they are in ter- in that aspect. And I think that's kind of shitty because yeah. Kim Kardashian is always exuding her sexuality all over the place and people enjoy that and she's rich, rich, rich off of it. So why can't Luther talk about, you know, that's why I respect Frank Ocean because Frank Ocean flipped it. Frank Ocean was like, I'm going to sing about what I want to sing. I'm about to tell y'all how much I like yeah. this. And you can rock with it or you can leave it alone. And I, I respect that. I'm like, why why aren't you able? We got we've been hearing these these other stories forever. Why not them? Yeah, and even more to that point, Frank did it at a time where it wasn't a convenient mm. choice, right? Mm-hmm. That like it, I think Frank's, you know, Frank probably came out, if I'm remembering correctly, 2015, mm-hmm. 2014 even. It might have been that around mm-hmm. that time with with Channel Orange and yeah. or at least preceding Channel Orange. And part of that, it's his first album. He doesn't there's no this isn't a guaranteed like great response from the Internet and from the communities that are receiving this. He could have easily been put in a bucket that that ruins his career. But he's mm-hmm. like, nah, this is who I am. I want y'all to know who I'm singing about and what these words actually mean, or at least some of what it means. And and I'm not going to like hide behind the facade of sort of like veiled general sexiness in, yeah. in order to get that a- across. I love Frank Ocean. That, that mixtape that he made before the album is probably one of the best pieces of musical art that I've heard. I mean, I, I love I love Frank Ocean. Everything that he does, that Channel Orange album is epic. And, you know, just to hear someone just being true. And I think, you know, Frank Ocean is younger than I am. And to to see someone at that age teaching somebody older, and I would say people older than me because I grew up around people that were fluid and people that were queer. But it's it's dope. I love it. And I'm sitting down somewhere. Just go sit down. I don't get it. People who get so bothered by this stuff. Like, go somewhere. This is not an invitation, bitch. Sit down. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Don't make it weird. Just enjoy the thing or or move elsewhere. But you don't don't have to make this your shit either way. Listen, Luther sweated. So that Frank Ocean could perspire. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. We got to put that on a t-shirt somewhere. (laughs) Okay, let me ask you this, because I do think this is an interesting element to it, right? You're introducing this Frank Ocean conversation, which I think is really important of him making the choice to come out, be public Mm -hmm. with his sexuality in a way that we haven't seen from a lot of artists, certainly not at that Mm -hmm. point in American history, what do you then think is the root cause of Luther not feeling that same safety to Mm. do what Frank did, or at least even remotely introduce the idea that he might be not a heteronormative man performing in front of, uh, you know, women Mm. who are swooning for him? I think it's generational. Like, I think 
I, I don't think Frank Ocean felt safe at all. I think Frank Ocean took a chance and and knew, you know, the toxic masculinity has been around forever. I mean, it's connected to everything that has been a problem for all people on the planet. But I think that Luther was probably more engulfed in a generation of people that were religious mm. because Luther did a lot of, you know, a lot of music that, you know, he he sang, you know, could sing a, a gospel song just as much as a love song. And I think that it was generational. It was a lot of religious connection to a lot of singers from that era who who initially started in the church. Right. So I think there was a lot of that. And I, I, I do think that the social consequences for being gay during a time when AIDS became popular and people were hearing a lot about AIDS was probably something that would deter somebody from saying they were gay because the identifying, I mean, yeah, people would associate being queer with being with AIDS at that time. Sure. It was such a gay disease is what they used to call it. And uh, I think people would be like, "Nah, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just roll with this, you know. I'm gonna just right. not say anything." I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine how hard it must have been at that time. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a super fair point, and it it makes me think about we we've done episodes on like Easy E, and mm. and uh, even we've talked a bunch on this show about Magic Johnson, and mm. just how quickly during the periods that they were sort of their HIV positive, they get AIDS, whatever it is mm-hmm. for them, and how quickly it turns into a conversation accusing them yep. of being homosexual, accusing yes. them of sort of having like these sordid affairs with men simply because it is a quote unquote gay disease at that period. At that point in time, we're calling it something that it isn't, it doesn't need to be. And it, yeah. it isn't, but that's that's what the world is. And so to your point, Luther may be making a choice to sort of like push against that connection by simply keeping his business to himself. Mm-hmm. And, and especially in that hip hop community, I can't even imagine, you know, like, look at the stuff that Little Nas X goes through in 2021. Yeah. And, and though Lil Nas X pushes back and leans into it, but it, I mean, people are really bothered by. I I I don't like I said I don't know for the life of me why people care so much about other people's sexuality, sexual yeah. preferences and identities. I don't I don't. For me, you could tell me, hey, I I identify as elemental P, and that's what I want you to call me. I'd be like, hey, elemental P, you like crab legs? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I let's go. <laughs> I just don't understand why people got so preoccupied with other people's business like that. It's just Yeah, I I do think to some extent I feel weird about this not because I I disagree with you at all. I think you're absolutely right. We should just mind our business. But I'm nosy as fuck. I do okay. want to know what people who people are fucking and how they're doing it, but not because either version of it grosses me out or any version of it grosses me out, but more cuz nigga, I want to copy. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to do something weird with my wife and see what she's into and like let me know and part of I think to your point, if we spent more time allowing people to just voice exactly who they are in a public way, we all become more liberal and comfortable in our own bodies, that we all can suddenly, our expectations shift. And now it's not this scary, dangerous thing Mm. that a man presses into another man. It's just like, oh, that's what y'all do? 
I'm going to try that out, but in my way and see Mm -hmm. if that makes me feel more whole as a person. Yeah, absolutely. Also, it'll, it just, listen, I think that the people who continue to be afraid of that, and that's what it is, is underneath of it, underneath it is fear. Because if if you don't agree with the lifestyle, you know, like my example, my go-to example, I, I don't really like country music like that. Yeah, so I, don't, I don't ever go to Garth Brooks' page and be like, "Yo, your shit is trash." Right. Like I ain't never, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> never do that. It's just not my thing. I just don't listen to country music, yeah. and I think that it's just very interesting to me how people feel the need to police others, and it it has something to do with you. Because the only yep. things that I react about, react to like that, where there, where you feel a visceral reaction for me, or anything, it's something that it, it's it pokes at something that I'm feeling within myself. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So lesbians can be around me having an orgy and I'm not going to be like, ooh, I'm going to beat everybody with a belt because this is wrong. <laughs> I just be like, right, I'm going to go outside because y'all might get something on me and I'm going to, yeah. I like this shirt. <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm not at the place where I need <laughs> pussy juice flying on my good shirt. Uh, yeah. I'll walk away. <laughs> But, but y'all do I, you. But do you, boo? You know, can I videotape it? But I'm not, you know, I just <laughs> I, I just don't understand why it's it's such a big deal. And I do believe that because of those things, it's probably why someone like Luther, who made so much money on lo- love music, that he was yeah. met, also protecting his bag. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like so many people. I, I mean, I, I, everybody that I know, when they list like top 10 love songs, they always got a Luther song on there. Yeah. I even even as you're saying it, I'm thinking of top 10, like top 10s in my head and like immediately here and now. Boom. That's yes. right. It, it's up there. You know what I mean? I can't think of many that are above that. Mm-hmm. And I think you made the point earlier and we should cover this before we run off to break. But. I think it's also important, you talked about safety. You mm-hmm. talked about sort of like this this question of whether or not people feel safe or afraid or whatever it is. And I think part of the way that they take advantage of this, this fear and this safety is by conflating those things with religion, right? Mm-hmm. So you make it so that if you are not following this set of rules, this this traditional set of norms, you are not only unsafe for your lifestyle, but you are unsafe for your eternal soul. (laughs) And so all these people start to hate the idea of Luther Vandross coming out and being his freest self because it could potentially damn their eternal soul. And that's a pretty fucked up weight to put on both ends of things, both the people that are hating and the person that is hated. Yeah, but you know, you know, and that's funny because it's it's hypocritical to me. I grew up in the church. I'm like, y'all know what? Y'all don't ever feel that condemned when you find out other people are fucking before they get married. You know what I'm saying? That they're fornicating. You know, y'all make jokes about the pastor fucking the lady in the pew and cheating on his wife. You don't yeah. worry about your your eternity when you making jokes about side bitches. You're not like, oh, he got a side bitch. Right. <laughs> You're not saying, oh, I'm a burning hell because I got a side bitch. Why? It's a fascination with this stuff that is that is really intriguing to me. That is like, why are you worried about it so much? If God is who you say God is, then God gonna take care of it. Why are you trying right. to do God's business? Yeah, and it's not like God was like, yo. 
these you can't break, but these other ones you mm-hmm. you go crazy. You mm-hmm. can you can eat out the neighbor as much as you want, but mm-hmm. don't you dare suck the neighbor's dick. That's how dare you. It's like nah. He's like all this is sin. You're all sinners. So figure out how to be the best version of yourselves. It doesn't really matter until you know you, your your rooster comes to calling. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's and that's quoted from the Bible. Your rooster comes a calling. I think is that's in Job somewhere. <laughs> you know what? The scariest scripture I ever saw in the Bible was about clergy. Like I, I, the Bible was scary, right? The Bible said, "Better you not be born than to mislead my sheep." Like that Whoa. just creeped me out. So, so that means that all y'all people that are walking around leading the people and telling the people and condemning, you know, the poor gay fella in the church that is scared to come out and you condemning him, the consequences seem like they might be a little worse for you. Better yeah. you not be born? <laughs> That's not like an abortion. Right. He's like, bitch, I'd rather you didn't exist than <laughs> trick a bunch of people into believing some bullshit. Exactly. So I don't know what y'all doing out there, but I'm going to tell y'all, stop stop you better stop <laughs> all right we're gonna take a break we'll be back with more ida rodriguez and more my mama told me hacks is back for season three and so is the official hacks podcast in each episode hacks creators lucia and yellow paul w downs and jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the emmy winning comedy series You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we are back. Why are you gay? 
You are gay. Yeah, we're back here with more Ida Rodriguez. More my mama told me. We're still talking about goddamn Luther Vandross, arguably the greatest male singer of all time and his difficult, difficult history with coming out and being honest. Uh, honest, what is honest? Sharing with the world what he what he truly felt in his heart, which is that he wanted to kiss some boys. He wanted to to hug and kiss some sweet men. <laughs> I didn't have to make that sound silly. I could have respected it and, and been more decent to it. But, you know, this is where I'm at, Ida. This is how I behave I at all it. times. I love it. Hell yeah. Let's jump into some of this research because I do think some of this is, it's not going to blow your mind. I'll be, I'll be honest with you up front because all of the research more or less confirms what we already know to be true uh, or uh, to be allegedly true about Luther Vandross. But it will, I think, introduce some questions that I would love to hear a bunch of your perspective on, because I do think they are somewhat challenging questions. So, So let's launch in. It seems to me that a fair amount of everything I found sort of confirms what we already know to be true is that Luther Vandross spent the the whole of his 54 years on this planet before he died in 2005 having to keep a secret about what he actually felt, which is that he was a homosexual man singing about men. That, that seems to be confirmed, and it's largely confirmed by a bunch of other celebrities and peers in the industry mm-hmm. that, like, a lot of his friends came forward in the wake of his death to share the information that Luther was secretly gay. Those snitch-ass bitches! <laughs> oh, no, you can't even trust somebody when you die! So that, to me, is is the core of the question that this introduces that I really would love to hear your thoughts on, because there is a laundry list, a literal laundry list of celebrities who come for, who have come forward talking about their relationships, not sexual relationships, but just closeness to Luther and the secrets that they shared between the two of them. And I'm wondering what is the responsibility in all of this? Do they do they owe it to him to keep his secret and keep it going? Should they should they feel okay sharing his secret? I want to know what you think. You know what? I think that if it was a secret, you should have kept it. And I'm almost curious to think how relevant these people are who would say who would tell the secret and see if that would get them some hits. Because Whoa. You know what I'm saying? Like Let's say you had a a sitcom in the 80s and nobody checking for you no more. They put a microphone in your face. Well, they actually, they skip past you to somebody who's relevant on the red carpet. And you're like, you know what? Luther was gay. <laughs> and then they get the camera into them. And, that, and then you're like, oh, okay. What's your name yeah, okay. again? All right. Yeah. Go, well, wait a minute. You ain't got to keep walking. Come back. <laughs> Don't step and repeat. Just, just step this way. So I think that that's interesting. And to... If he didn't want you to know when it was al- when he was alive, what would be the benefit of telling somebody after his passing? Yeah, that and that was one of the things that I sort of struggled with, even as I was reading some of the sort of like breakdowns, the pieces of information I found. One of the first people that I bumped into who sort of talked about Luther's sexuality, and he he does remain a pretty relevant person, at least in pop culture, is Lenny Kravitz. 
Lenny Kravitz wrote in his book, and this is where I think it starts to connect to some of what you're saying, is that he waited until he had a an autobiography he's putting together, a memoir that he's putting together. And then he talks about a relationship that date that Lenny Kravitz, he he was a roommate in the early parts of his career with this dude, David Lastly, who was a writer, producer, and worked closely with Luther. And Lenny says that in the conversations he heard Luther had have with David Lastly, he understood Luther to be a very deeply sad and lonely person who was not able to ever come out and, you know, express his sexuality in the way that he wanted to. Mm, that's what happens when your ex-wife marries Kyle Drogo. You know what? (laughs) I'm about to tell it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think that I I like Lenny Kravitz. I'm a Lenny Kravitz fan, but I I just think that that lacks integrity. Like if if you knew, I mean, if you if this is based on your suspicions and you want to tell somebody about it, and this is what your your speculation is, I guess it's one thing. But if it was a secret and you knew it was a secret. What's the point in telling anybody now? Like, what, you're going to out the people he was with? Like, it just brings pain to the people who love him. Yeah, and I think even more confusing, challenging, the harder part of this decision is that this wasn't even firsthand information from Luther, right? You are Mm -hmm. overhearing a private conversation in phone calls and then sharing that information in a public way. And it's like, all right, if Luther told you personally, maybe there's more of a gray area in you sharing this as a part of your personal journey. But for you to just be like, hey, you know what I heard on the phone one time when I was chilling at the crib is Mm. that's that's dangerous. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not cool. I, I, I don't think that's cool. Yeah. Okay, here's another example. Bruce Valanche. You know Bruce Valanche? Mm-hmm. You familiar with Bruce Valanche? Mm-hmm. He's a, a dude who's, I guess, a comedian, a comedic writer. He's always in a scooter. He looks real crazy. You'll recognize him as soon as you see him. But okay. Bruce Valanche, for some reason, was very close friends with Luther Vandross. I had no idea. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know why these two people... <laughs> would have ever looked at each other and wanted to hang out other than the fact that they were both, I guess Bruce is gay and and Luther was allegedly gay. So maybe it was some, you know, cool gay shit that they were hanging out on. Either way, Bruce Valanche says that Luther spent the entirety of his life and career deeply in the closet. That Those are the words that, that he, he used and sort of says that his friend constantly wished that he could have had a boyfriend. That's what he talks about, is that by the end of the, his career and life, he just really wanted a boyfriend. Shit, get in line, Bruce. <laughs> Luther, we all just want a boyfriend. I, sure. You know, I, like I said, I think it's kind of it's kind of corny to tell on somebody after they, you know, that because that the there are no consequences for that, like from the person. Yeah, I feel like Luther's cousins they need they need to go get all these people talking shit about Luther. They need to go put hands on all these people. Yeah, <laughs> just beat the shit out of Bruce Valanche, <laughs> break his big ass red glasses. You know what I mean? <laughs> why y'all you, you know what I'm saying like why y'all snitching on the homie like this is I don't know I just think I wouldn't do that to I mean any of my friends if they passed away I wouldn't tell none of the secrets I yeah the secrets. I do think and you made this point earlier and I think it's one worth repeating 
is that the the other sort of like frustrating part of this is if Luther were allowed to be his freest self, Mm -hmm. him wanting a boyfriend wouldn't even be newsworthy, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's not an interesting Mm -hmm. tidbit about a, a legendary performer and singer. That's just some shit we all go through. Mm -hmm. But because he wasn't allowed to be himself, this very small, almost meaningless piece of information now becomes coveted and treated as like gossip. And that's crazy. Yeah, no, it's, you're right. It's true. And you know, like, you know, all these women who they got whole reality shows trying to find a man. You got men mm-hmm. on reality shows trying to find a woman. They've got all kinds of different versions of this show, naked and people in running through the jungle trying to find a mate, people going to an island, people yeah. tempting each other with sex. You know, 19 bitches in the house trying to get a rose <laughs> from a corny dude every week on a Monday. They got all kinds of versions. of, And, you know, people find it as entertainment. They're not writing think pieces about it or no. anything. But poor Luther, who just wanted to be with somebody that loved him and that he loved, couldn't even live out loud because it could affect his career. Yeah. You know, get kicked out of the church or whatever it was. Had to li- That's just foolishness. We got yeah. too much time on our hands to be worried about other people's business. Truly. And and can I just say that that if they change the name of The Bachelor to 19 Bitches in a House, <laughs> I watch. I would watch. I know they'd lose a lot of viewers who, who are sensitive about language and, and the weird misogyny <laughs> cooked into calling people bitches. But no, I would watch. 19 Bitches in a House, that sounds like a great show to me. And I'm subscribing immediately. And listen... In the true fashion of pause, <laughs> I am a woman. Therefore, I am owning the word bitch and I can call myself a bitch and I can use the word bitch and I oh, own don't, it. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not shaming you at all. I'm no, merely representing the American audience who's going to sit there and go, how you can't call people bitches. It's like, listen, you don't know which bitch I was talking about <laughs> when I said the word. I was talking about some boy bitches, too. Them boy bitches yeah. be in the house. Hey. We all bitches. <laughs> That's right. That's right, damn it. And there's 19 of us. <laughs> <laughs> so the other person, and I think this gets into a slightly more complicated, and maybe complicated isn't even the, the right way of approaching this, but it is a slightly more complicated conversation, is that the other person who has been very public about, quote unquote, outing Luther was Patty LaBelle. Patty LaBelle, who was Aww. dear friends with Luther. Luther actually at one point was the president of her fan club, which I didn't know that. That like he was the official president of the Patty LaBelle fan club. But she went on Watch What Happens Live, the Andy Cohen show. And he asked, Andy Cohen asked about Luther's sexuality, at which point Patty LaBelle talked about it. She said, you know, I think that uh, she said basically he did not want his mother to be, although she might have known, but he wasn't going to come out and say it to the world. And he had a lot of lady fans. And he told me he just didn't want to upset the world. Uh And so I guess my question is, what responsibility do you think a person like Andy Cohen has, who is a homosexual person, who does understand uh, maybe better than most the dangers of outing a person, be they alive or dead, to not even introduce this question to an old lady who's probably just going to be like, oh, yeah, I know about that. And, you know, say some stuff on TV. 
Well, you know, Andy Cohen is part of this entity that makes a lot of money off of the exploitation off of black people and people of mm. color. You know, like black women and in these shows that perpetuate, you know, stereotypes and shows some ugliness, which is real in everybody, not just black women and women of color. But I just think it's interesting that a gay man would take that. With, you know, that's disappointing to say, yeah. ooh, what about, like, why would you do that? Why would you do right. that to that black man, man? Why you do that? Like, when you when you yourself have complained about bigotry towards you for being a gay man, why would you do that? Yeah. That's, that's part of the problem. That's what we push back against, right? Is that whole idea that people who are, you know, homosexual, people who are queer have to have to live in this place of secret. Who perpetuates? So asking somebody, ooh, do you think such and such was gay is part of the problem. Yeah, and I, I'm so glad you said that. And I, I I think you put it in words that I wasn't even sure I knew how to put it in. But I do think that this sort of leads us into a great example of where intersectionality ain't intersecting, right? That's that it. like you're talking all this shit about like wanting to be progressive for your community, wanting to protect That's the right. people that live the life that you live but when it comes to another person's experience who doesn't look like you but does venn diagram with you slightly you're unable to see them with the same sensitivity and care that you probably would have seen a white counterpart a with. word you just said it a word 100 percent, and that is why you know even when it comes to the argument of women you talk about black women and brown women and white women who either, you know, they jump back and forth between being victims and the oppressor. Like they, when you see it in the in the dynamic of the LGBTQIA plus community, it's the same thing. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the someone said to me, it was my son, because we were talking about the LGBTQ community. And this complexity that we talk about, and he's like, yeah, because white men can belong to that oppressed group. So in that group, there is a hierarchy where they sit at the top. So yeah. that's why, you know, we have to talk about intersectionality and we have to honor it because the truth of it is, is that you get to son Luther Vandross when you a gay white man. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm saying, and you, can you imagine... If somebody would, I mean, I mean, you just think about like if it would have been the other way and they did it to him, right? Would it, it nobody would have let that stand even for a second. And furthermore, there was some pushback in Patty saying what Patty said. But mm. to your point, I think the larger and it's unfair. I don't know that we have the right to decide whose fault is it's what. In who all brought it up? Who brought it right. up? I don't know that Patty went on there being like, you know what I'm about to do is out my boy. (laughs) I think Patty was just like, oh, we drunk. We talking shit. Yeah, I'll talk shit with you. And Mm -hmm. the reality is it was somebody choosing to be messy and a lady went in the dirt with him. Mm -hmm. But in doing that, you know, she becomes the target rather than he. And I think Andy knows that before he Mm -hmm. even asks the question. Yeah, it's easy to come for her because there are no consequences for attacking an older black woman. But if you don't come for this white Jewish man, there will be some consequences. Yes, I think that I think that's fair to say. (laughs) 
So the other thing that this got me sort of cooking on as we're asking this question of whether or not it's okay to out a person in their death, I ended up stumbling on this article about Whitney. It was a, an mm. article called Whitney Houston and the Ethics of Posthumous Outing. Mm. And one of the things that it talks about is the fact that Whitney, who uh, was allegedly a bisexual woman, was outed by her ex-husband, right? That like Bobby Brown does an interview with Us Weekly when he is then working on his memoir called Every Little Step, which I know you all have in your homes. I know every single one of you listening is has already read Every Little Step, so there's no reason for us to plug it. But Every Little Step, the Bobby Brown story, is available for your reading if you so choose. But Bobby is working on his memoir, and he then explains that Whitney was bisexual and had a relationship with her former Robin. assistant, Robin. Robin. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that falls in the same category for you of somebody just trying to take advantage of their their sort of waning celebrity or if this is something more complicated because they are in a relationship or had been in a relationship uh, and were married, have children together, all of that. Well, this is a really uh, this is a touchy space because I know Bobby and I know his wife, Alicia, and mm-hmm. I don't think that he... First of all, I don't think it, Bobby Brown is the king of new edition, whether you want to admit it or not. And I know sure. I'll probably get pushed back from that, but he's probably him is the most dynamic one that come out, you know, <laughs> for all the reasons that yeah. he's, he was a bad boy of R&B. He had the issues. He married the superstar singer. They, you know, you got to lay low. They got all the, you know, <laughs> They got all the, they got the Diane Sawyer interview. Like he's the most dynamic thing to come out of there. I've been in the presence of Bobby Brown for a birthday party and he was not with uh, Whitney anymore. And I remember him singing on stage and started, he started crying and he said he missed her. And um, from what I know, and I don't know firsthand because we don't talk about it. We're not that close. We see each other in passing. We've known each other for years. But we, we're not, like, close. We're not, like, homies. I believe Bobby Brown adored the shit out of Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. Loved her in a way that was, you know, toxic, painful, deep, deep, though. Yeah. And I do, I do think that that him sharing that, and I, I didn't even know he had a, a book. I didn't know about every little step. But <laughs> the, the fact that he... Um, probably is talking about is because he's still processing that. And, you know, you have to think Bobby Brown is married to Whitney Houston, the mother of his daughter who also passed away. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of pain and all of that thing, that whole thing. And I did hear a lot about Whitney Houston being bisexual. I heard it when I first moved to L.A. from one of uh, from one of these dancers that danced in the videos and was like, yeah, she's you know, he called out a bunch of names of women. He was like, they always talking about the men. But he was like, this woman, this woman, and this woman, they turn out all the girls. Yeah. And it was very interesting to hear his list. But he, he was, I want, I went and found him. He was in all their videos. And I was like, I, he might be making it up, but he's definitely been around these people. So I don't think that he would do that to maliciously or to try to bring attention to himself. Because I think, I mean, Bobby, you give him the mic. And a drink, and he he, he can find a he can find a way. 
<laughs> and you don't have to even talk about Whitney. But like they say in Jurassic Park, Bobby finds a way, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, uh, I think that was just rooted in his pain. I do think that he adored that woman. And I don't think that he would do that to try to get, you know, attention off of her. Not not the Bobby Brown that, that I've met, you know? I got you. It It introduced a even more complicated question in my head, not just of whether or not his intentions, and this isn't even about Bobby at this point, but mm-hmm. more just generally about this this entire idea, is is more about the, the question, at least, that sort of like came to life, is the question of public responsibility, or rather how much these celebrities even owe to the public in relation to their sexuality and sexual identity, right? So, Mm -hmm. for example, in the article, some people are arguing that it's obviously awful to out somebody posthumously, that like if they weren't ready to tell the world when they were alive, they're not suddenly ready to tell the world just because they passed away and we should respect that. But then there are other people who argue that by sharing these people's stories, you are bringing more light to the Mm. communities that they potentially could represent, right? And specifically, they talk about Ed Koch of of New York, former mayor of New York Mm -hmm. City. He dies in in 2013, and then it becomes exposed, and maybe it was exposed the entire time, maybe that everybody knew, similar to, you know, a Luther Vandross kind of situation, that he was homosexual, that he had homosexual relationships. But one of the things that, that happened is that during his time, in as mayor, he's constantly getting all this pushback from AIDS activists, basically saying, why won't you speak up for the community that you could represent here? They're calling this a gay disease and you, a gay man, should be out and open about how this isn't a gay disease. And if you support me, you support the communities that you're hurting with by saying all of these things. And Ed never said anything and he never stepped out of his way to protect these communities. And so I guess my final question to you before we we run off to another break is what do you think about that in public responsibility. Does Ed owe the gay community anything? Or is he just meant to like keep rocking the way he wants to rock and it doesn't matter one way or the other? No, he doesn't owe anybody anything. And I know people are going to probably push back on this, but nobody knows what Ed's emotional or psychological state was and where he had processed what where he was in terms of his own sexuality and what if that man wasn't ready to deal with that and came out and dealt, got dealt with some crazy stuff and ended up killing himself because mm-hmm. of it? You know, like, it's just the fact that the public feels an, entitled to people's business because people have some sort of, even as a public figure, his responsibility to his community is to do the work that is described in, in that job description. It is not that he owes his personal life to anybody else, you know, and there are a lot of people dealing with a lot of different issues. Are you demanding that straight men tell you about their affairs? Are you demanding that straight men tell you about all the stuff that they're doing or straight women? It's just, it's only when it comes to that community that people feel entitled to know, like the, the, even the terminology, we're going to out you. You know what I mean? And like, if like there are consequences for people finding out about it, and that 
why wouldn't you be petrified? Like, you don't know what it's going to be, you know? And his responsibility with what was going on with AIDS was to make sure that policy was in place and that it was enforced and that, you know, whatever those responsibilities, those responsibilities connected to office, anything that he does is above and beyond. So if he decided to say, I am... And I'm going to speak up for this community because, you know, because of this, 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 then that's that should be admirable. But that's not some, it's not required. Right. I I think that's fair. I think they're the responsibility a person in office has in, in my mind is to be careful and caring about every single person that they they represent. It's not necessarily to just place preference on the communities that they're deeply connected to. And Mm -hmm. ideally, the way that you represent all of these communities and care about all of these people is you are connected in small communities. And so you do the extra work to make sure that everybody is is fairly represented. That said, it doesn't mean that, like, like you said, there are a lot of great leaders who love to cheat on their wives or their husbands or whatever it is. And that's not they don't owe more to the non-monogamous community simply because that's who they represent. It's, yeah, they, we're all doing what we can to, to protect each other as best we can. And he he clearly didn't feel comfortable telling everybody his business. And so maybe he doesn't have to to suddenly out himself just because he's a, a famous person. Yeah. I mean, are all women who've had abortions that are in office, do they have the obligation to tell people that they have abortion when they're dealing with abortion? You know, like, it's, it's just like, that's what drove like Bill Clinton to say he didn't exhale or he didn't inhale or whatever. It's just that, you know what I'm saying? All of that, this Salem attitude towards people and, and, and feeling like we owe that, you know, that the general public is entitled to the T is just a function of, you know, how celebrity culture has become so toxic in this country. And, you know, and it bleeds into politics because politicians are celebrities, whether we want to admit it or not. And it's just, it's just gross. It's just gross. Yeah. Let people's business be their business. Let, let everybody do their own freaky shit. And if they want to tell us about the freaky shit, you know I'm happy to hear it. God damn, do I want to hear about it. But but if not, that's okay. I'm on my business. <laughs> I'm with it. All right. We're going to take one more break. We'll be back with more Ida Rodriguez and more My Mama Told Me. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of 
a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we are back. We're not going to let Joe Biden and Kamala Harris cut America's meat. That's that on that. That's that on that. Yeah, we're back here with more Ida Rodriguez. More my mama told me. We're still talking about Luther Vandross and his secret that he took to his grave and the one that Bruce Valanche would not allow him to keep. Bruce had to tell people that Luther Vandross was gay. And I don't, none of us, neither of us know why. You know, uh, that motivation is, I, I don't, I don't know. Like maybe even the fact that they were friends seems so off. And that's because of what we, you know, how we perceive people. And we're like, how do these two people yes. know each other? But like I said, it's also, it's just that Andy Cohen thing. Like, I just don't think it's cool. Yeah, I dig that. I think especially coming from a quote-unquote white friend, you have extra care to probably take in outing somebody of a different race. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a black person specifically in terms of like what's going to happen with his community, with his relationships, with his mother, no less. You know, his mother is this deeply religious person. And that was part of what Patti LaBelle said was that like it was his mother's religious perspective that kept Luther in the closet in the first place. And the last thing she needs to learn it from or the last person she needs to learn it from is a goofy looking motherfucker like Bruce Valanche, you know? <laughs> I, I would I, if, when I run into him, I'm gonna tell him he gotta recite the first ten lines from Never Too Much. Uh huh. I like that. Yeah, make him make him say it on one knee so he really <laughs> earns it. You know, because it's gonna take him a minute to get down there. Bruce ain't built for for kneeling, but yeah, he he owes us an apology. He owes Luther and us an apology. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's play a game. This is right. this is a fun game. It's a brand new game that that I I've cooked up for this podcast. It's called Make It Make Sense. Your thoughts create your reality. Well, you already knew that. Yet you still live a life that you dread. Oh, excuse me. Ah! Make it make sense. This is a, a brand new game where I am going to introduce to you a conspiracy theory 
I had never heard of. And it's specifically a conspiracy theory that comes from the Dominican Republic. It's a conspiracy theory mm -hmm. that that y'all over in the Dominican are rocking with. And I would love for you to make it make sense for me. Help me understand what's happening in this scenario. Okay. So apparently in 2019, there was a string of deaths from a hotel where six different tourists visiting the Dominican uh, suddenly died. They, they died in these mysterious ways after drinking from their mini bar. Mm -hmm. And apparently more than a few people started to speculate that this was a serial killer working the Dominican Republic, that there was somebody out intentionally trying to kill tourists as they were uh, moving and shaking around the Dominican. And what I would love for you to do, Ida, is tell me what's happening here. What do you think the real mystery is from these people who are drinking from this mini bar and all dying in these mysterious, tragic ways? So that's funny. I never heard that one. I'll tell you what I heard. I heard it was a governmental ploy to try to keep American people from going to the Dominican Republic because whoa, they are going to hold try. on. Wait a minute. Uh oh, this sounds like you about to spit some shit. This <laughs> I ain't never heard this before. This is brand new to me, and all of this is brand new to me. Can we do some some talk that talk? Can you break Great. it all down in thirty seconds? Yeah, no, this is what I heard. I, I would. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna press the button, and then you go crazy. So I heard that the Dominican Republic and Haiti are on the island of Española. So France is colonized Haiti, Spain colonized the Dominican Republic, and Haiti owes France for slavery. They own for being the ones to kick down the door for liberation. But what I heard was that there's this big old governmental ploy so that they can take over the island why they're letting these people struggle but tourism generates a lot of money so they were trying to deter tourists from going there Whoa. and that's why they were doing that because it would keep the economy from flowing with the tourism dollars and let the the country crumble so that they can go in and gentrify it and recolonize oh holy shit wait a minute that's called motherfucking bars <laughs> nigga <laughs> god damn it so you're saying that they are, this is an effort, or at least the theory is that this this is an alleged mm -hmm. effort to tank the island to across the board because mm -hmm. Haiti ain't doing too great on its own. It the between mm -hmm. the fucked up economy, the the damage that is intentionally being done from other colonizing places, mm -hmm. and certainly like France. the earthquakes mm -hmm. and hurricanes and shit that hit that side of the island, it's already struggling. Which but is you're I, I heard that, is another conspiracy that those are done by those heart machines. And yeah. that those those are done, <laughs> those are man-made to, to cause destruction on the island so that they can go ahead and take it. Yeah, we've we've talked about that a little on the podcast before that Haiti's fucked up weather and earthquakes and all that shit is a result of weather control machines that the governments are intentionally creating. But to your larger point, that there there might be a, a real effort, a conspiratorial level effort by all of these countries or by a, a powerhouse country to make these islands tanks so that they can rebuild them mm -hmm. as basically big ass six flags for for people <laughs> to go and visit. Yep, that's exactly what it is. Fuck. <laughs> big six flags, that's funny. <laughs> what what do you, what do we do? Is there anything that can be done about stuff like this? Is 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 this just what it is and we got to eat a dick after all of this? <laughs> 
You know, I, I I think about that every day of my life. What do we do? Like, is there something we can really do? We just not, I don't think we'll, we're do, we'll do it. I think that we're not going to, we're, we're not revolutionaries. We some punk ass bitches. Like we yeah. like, we, our revolutions are on Twitter. Like sure. ain't nobody, like when I saw that, uh, what do they call themselves? The no fucking around coalition. I was like, whoa, shit. They rolled up in Stone Mountain with guns and fatigues. But it was like, what, 300 of them? I was like, yeah. you got to take a whole, like, you know what I'm saying? We need more people like that. And that's why I, I'm like, probably nothing. Because we're also not, who people are like, I ain't watching the NFL. And then you, I walk down the street and all I hear is people screaming, watching the NFL games. Right. People that I know that said they were not going to watch the NFL. So I think, I don't know. I don't I don't know if they're we're not going to stop going to Target. We're yeah. not going to stop Starbucks. So, no, nah, I think we're going to eat that dick. I think we're going to eat that dick. God damn it, man. And that's it. You're I think you're right, because at the end of the day, even the coal that that fucking, you know, the the minute men that you're referring to who like are willing to take up arms and and take on uh, a government. They, they could only find 300 because there's only 300 people in that place that are that principled and believe in that shit that much. The rest of us are living pretty passive lives where we're like, yeah, I don't I don't like what the government's doing, but like. I don't know, bro. I'm not about to starve for this shit. So mm-hmm. I, I'm good. I don't want to get shot. I don't want to put myself in any line of fire. So go crazy, government. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, just, like, it's like, you, you just like, you know what? I'm going to Disneyland this weekend. Like you just don't. And and it's it's not that you don't care. It's that it's so overwhelming. It feels hopeless. Sure. Yeah, I think it, if even if you are a passionate person, there are so many problems in the world that it's it's too challenging to pick a thing and just focus on that because then you're like ignoring a ton of other responsibilities you probably also have in terms of protecting people or taking down the evils of of the world around us. God damn it. It feels just so overwhelming. So you like I'm gonna go get that sweetie meal at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the biggest lesson we can walk away with. I think if we gotta send people away with anything, if you feel sad, if you feel overwhelmed by everything that's happening in the world, get that sweetie meal at the at McDonald's. You get the nuggets and the Big Mac. <laughs> you dip that in some chocolate like that nasty bitch does. You, you gotta go crazy with the sweetie meal at McDonald's. Well, Ida, I think we did it. I think I think we did what we could today. Could you tell the people at home where they can find you and what cool shit you have going on? Sure. Um, they can find me on HBO Max. The name of the special yeah. is Fighting Words. Don't tweet me. Don't at me because I don't read none of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so don't waste your time. And um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Funny A-I-D-A, Funny Ida. And that's it. All of the stuff is not real until it happens. 
Hell yeah. Well, <laughs> well, follow her. Watch the special November 4th, Fighting Words. And as always, you can follow me at, at Langston Kerman. And if you so choose, please send us your drops. Send us your messages. Review. Subscribe. Do whatever the fuck you are supposed to do to the podcast. And you can send us everything at mymamapod at gmail.com. Uh, and that's everything. That's all I know. Okay. Bye, bitch. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.